0: Hi, I'm Todd Gordon, president of Eastern Championship Wrestling. And on many occasions, we've been accused of a lot of things. We've been accused of being the hardest-hitting federation in America. We've been accused of being the bloodiest, goriest federation in America. We've been accused of being the most hardcore, violent promotion in the history of America. Well, ladies and gentlemen, on February the 5th, 1994, that was the night the line was crossed. Watch this video, and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. And remember, Eastern Championship Wrestling... It's not for everyone.
1: to another episode of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Intern Alex, joined as always by...
2: The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick
1: Young. And Patrick, it has been a while since we've been together. It is good to be with you, my friend.
2: Good to be with you. Good to see you again. Live and in living color about 100 miles away.
1: (laughs) That's true, (laughs) yes. Uh, It's good to be... Here with you in recording. And I uh, just wanted to thank everyone for listening uh, to the podcast. Our last episode from a month ago has over 400 spins on SoundCloud. That's where we host the podcast. And part of that is because of uh, we're now on Amazon Music. So... We picked a really bad time to take uh, a month off uh, because we just got on a different platform that's gotten us some exposure. Some people have been messaging us on Facebook that's saying, uh, we found, I found you on Amazon Music. And uh, so it turns out, like, Rumble 93 is one of our most listened to episodes ever, Patrick. And, and that's just because when people look and find the podcast... That's the last one that we did, so uh, it, it's not our best work, but it, it's it's a fine episode. But I encourage you to go look through the archives. There's uh, hundreds of episodes there. I stopped numbering them, sorry, because of algorithms and Apple and stuff, but uh, that is why they are not numbered. As to why we have not been on the air together in a month, uh, that has to do with multiple reasons, one of which... Uh, I was having panic attacks over something, which one day I hope to explain to you in full detail. I'd like to have a whole episode on it, uh, but that's one day down the road. Can't get into it at the moment, <laughs> but, uh, Patrick, huh. yeah, yeah. Legally. it may, uh, no, it's not even really legally, but it's, uh, as far as with me, uh, but I, I've dealt with, uh, panic attacks for a long time, uh, with, uh, when certain things come up in my life and uh, things make me panic. And uh, this was something that made me panic about a month ago. And then uh, I got over it. It turns out it's not that bad. It's, it's nothing crazy. I'm not everything compared to other people's situation in 2020. It's fine. Um, but uh, it's just something that that, that took, took us off the air for at least a week. And then we just had other things going on. This isn't our, our full-time job. This is our hobby. Uh, So we just haven't had a chance to get together. So uh, we're glad to do it for you and always do it for free and just provide whatever relief we can provide for you in your own uh, panic attack life. Uh, But Patrick, what do you have for us from the news desk this week, sir? Uh,
2: About the start of October. Jerry the King Lawler re-debuted his one and only podcast. And I want you to listen to the link on our Facebook page that I put. It is a sit-down interview with Jerry the King Lawler and Andy Kaufman's brother. It is a two-part interview. It goes on for about two hours. One of the greatest podcast episodes that you will ever listen to. This is for every single person, wrestling fan, non-wrestling fan, entertainer fan, movie buff, TV show buff. This fits every genre, every single platform you want to call yourself a fan. This is the greatest piece of broadcast journalism I have ever Experienced, and I cannot say that any lighter than that right there. Just simple stuff like hearing that Nature Boy Buddy Rogers was the icon and the role model that Andy Kaufman looked up to and acted like when he was uh, became an entertainer because he hated being called a comedian. He was an entertainer. And uh, the fact of going off, you know, going off on a, a stage left type scenario where he would pull out and read The Great Gatsby or his variety hour that he did where it would have a rolling picture and the screen was a little fuzzy and everybody's getting up smacking their TV going, well, why is my TV screwing up? He actually had NBC literally play around with the resolution to where it wouldn't be clear and it would roll the picture up a few times and then be fuzzy. It was, it, I cannot express enough of the fact that the way Andy Kaufman's brother takes you into the mind of what this man truly was all about and it is without a doubt one of the greatest things you will ever listen to so i highly recommend it i have the link on our facebook page you can click listen to both parts there's first part and second there's two parts but uh, it is one of the absolute most unbelievable things you will ever listen to. And I mean that from the very bottom of my heart.
1: Yeah. And Andy Kaufman, uh, definitely as far as comedians goes, played the heel. He did not uh, pull punches with the crowd. He uh, liked to troll the audience. And in modern terms, he was well ahead of his time as far as surrealist humor and, Uh, Part of his charm and like his appearance on Letterman and stuff like that is that uh, it was always, uh, you know, it it wasn't what you thought was going to happen was not going to happen. It was always uh, off the cuff and unpredictable. And those are the best kind of wrestling heels or heels that you, you can't see what what's coming or what's happening next you can't just you just can't follow their 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 logic and the, they make you think and that's what Andy Kaufman did and what he brought to the table so it's no surprise that he loved uh wrestling so much but Jerry the King Lawler in the news for some other stuff like his uh, anniversary show uh in Jackson
2: they held his uh 50 50- 50th wrestling anniversary show, which uh, turned out to be one of the greatest indie shows of all time. And uh, everyone showed up. Even Kid Rock bought a ticket, bought a beer at the concession stand, and sat down in the bleachers. Everybody from old school legends to stars of today in Thunder Rosa to stars of the future. And Miranda Gordy, it was just, it was a great, great wrestling show from every single person that I have spoken with. I did not get to go, and I am kicking myself. Unfortunately, I had other obligations, but I wish. And had I I been able to get out of my other obligations, I was not going to miss this but unfortunately there was no other way around it I was not able to but uh, one of the coolest things everyone has left saying and is still talking about even a month ago are still saying that it was one of the coolest shows they'd ever been to.
1: No, it's crazy. He's been around for 50 years, and the the amount of people he's wrestled, despite being, I mean, even though he's nationally known, he's still a regional star, and uh, the people he's wrestled and the people he's come in contact with, and that he's still wrestling, even though making, uh, I think he's made enough money uh, through being a promoter, being a commentator on Raw, uh, wrestling everybody from, uh geez like yeah, Andre the Giant to uh Carrie Von Air to Bret Hart to Michael Cole. He's wrestled the gamut of everybody and uh to think that he's still doing it, even though despite having a heart attack several years back is is pretty crazy.
2: It's just unbelievable that he has done stuff and still doing stuff. Uh going to the network, he is now Taking the place of Mean Gene Okerlund and doing um, story time.
1: Yeah, story time. One of the few original series that they uh, are going forward with that doesn't involve a podcast. This past week, they did this whole conversation series debut, and now the network is all going to be these podcasts. Sam Roberts and L- Lillian Garcia and all these uh, other. People, New Day has one, and Corey Graves' podcast. So they 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 divested everything from the network, except uh, they're still doing these Story Time specials, which we've talked about before. Uh, I really enjoy. They're as close to the Legends round table as we're gonna get with people just telling stories. And I know that it's animated and it's edited, and some of the stories you've heard before. But uh, when Mean Gene was doing it a few years ago. It was one of the few things that I, I don't watch a lot of original programming on the network. We mainly live in the archives and we do it for this podcast too, but story time is one of those few exceptions that I thought has really done well. So I'm glad that they're continuing. And he seems like the logical choice to continue narrating it because um, they don't have, especially now that, I mean, like outside of Pat Patterson, like. Gerald Briscoe's now gone, so it's like, I mean, he's still alive, but he he's no longer with the company. So, uh, this, and when you look up and down the roster, unless you know Ric Flair's not going to sit in a room and record that shit, so uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be Lawler. So I think he's the logical choice to uh, to take up the mantle uh, of this. And uh, before we get into our, our review, uh, which I picked, which uh, I I I'd like to apologize once again. I meant this to be the NWA title tournament uh that, that Shane Douglas threw down the belt, but there's no video of that, the full thing anywhere. Like it was chopped up on hardcore TV. But the night the line was crossed, turns out, Patrick, not the night he did that. Um but before we get into that, since we've been off the air, it happened over a month ago now, but Road Warrior Animal passed away, probably the biggest story that we missed. Um and it we missed it by a day because I published uh Rumble ninety three on the twenty first of September and he passed away on the twenty second. Uh passed away at the age of sixty. He was at uh Margaritaville Resort in Missouri. He was celebrating his third anniversary with his um uh, I guess this is his second wife, and uh was there according to TMZ, had the rose petals out, was going to have the time of his life and unfortunately um heart attack natural causes as it's cited passed away at the age of 60 it's crazy road warrior animal gone uh in 2020 which has been a shitty year and uh got shittier with uh, the loss of road warrior animal what are your thoughts on joe laurenitis
2: uh joe had done a lot of shows uh recently just the past few years in and around the areas and i just happened to be lucky enough to be at those shows uh and had gotten to know him and his lovely wife who uh i sent out my thoughts and prayers to and talked with her just a few days after his passing and uh i still to this day you know send my thoughts and prayers to to his kids and his wife um she is trying to make headway in dealing with this like any person would be you know going from the the happiest day you know with of two people's lives you know that they're able to celebrate their anniversary to the saddest day in one of those people's lives uh is just something that is a roller coaster in and of itself that you can't You can't just uh, imagine. I can't. I can't. I can't imagine being, you know, in that situation of waking up and all excited and spend the day together and have this great, amazing day, which is what they ended up doing to, uh, unfortunately, losing him just hours later. Uh, Joe was a cool guy. And to be able to talk to him and sit in the locker room and pick his brain was just one of the coolest things ever because uh, you talk to him and it's like you and me, you know, you talk to him and it's like, man, I've known him for 20 years, you know, and then you don't realize that you're talking to one half of arguably the greatest tag team of all time. You're just talking to, a, you know, normal guy. and he he was just that down to earth and that cool and uh you know for for hawk was always looked at as the wild one you know but animal was kind of the level headed one out of the two and uh just shocking that unfortunately he uh he has passed away even at 60 which is uh young for for uh, anybody, uh, but also for someone who was level-headed and smart and didn't go out there and abuse drugs or use them or do anything crazy to that nature.
1: Yeah, like in the in the Dark Side of the Ring documentary or in the WWE documentary, it's definitely... He was always portrayed as the, the level-headed one uh, between him and Hawk. And uh, his drug abuse seemed to be more in the in the steroids part, which uh, steroids were uh, part of what was required, I think, in the 80s and 90s to be a pro wrestler, but especially with their gimmick, which was to be massive dudes that don't sell. Uh, even when they were bouncers at nightclubs and uh, hanging out in the gyms and bars, um, he was always uh, the level-headed one and had uh, the family and had the... Uh, held the tag team together for many, many years. And so that was what was surprising about it. Not so much that, oh, a wrestler died at 60 because we've had hundreds of wrestlers die, die before 60 or in their forties or even younger in, in wrestler, in wrestling terms, you know, he, he outlived most of his peers from his generation of pro wrestling, um, which is really, but th- that doesn't say much when it's only to 60 years old. And um, the one thing, uh, I mean, we've said about the Road Warriors a million times, Like, uh, but the one thing that uh, I always think of them is when you think of like, uh, tell me what a pro wrestler looks like and you, if you've never seen pro wrestling. And uh, if someone asked me that, I would describe someone like the Road Warriors. And they were uh, larger than life, and they... Wore the face paint and they had the the spikes and they had matching gear and they yelled and uh, they were superheroes and uh, they were always together. I mean, even though they weren't always together. So I guess that's not true, but uh, they always, you needed one with the other. And when they were (laughs) without one another, they didn't do too well. And, they were just a tag team. They they promoted they liked tag team wrestling. That was fine with them. They didn't you can be an awesome tag team and it's something that we've forgotten about now in WWE at least that um you know tag team wrestling doesn't have to be a joke. It can be something that's cool and uh people like it and you can have you know action figures and wrestling buddies and uh, and not it's not It's not demeaning. It doesn't mean that you're less than just because you're a tag team. It just means that that's what you do. You're a specialist. So um, it's just a real bummer to me to know that um, they're gone. When you look uh, up and down the roster of those 80s and 90s wrestling superstars and realize that we're down to a handful is pretty crazy.
2: Yeah, exactly. And... I'm just shocked. I still am because he was a cool guy. And, you know, I had, like I said, I had gotten to know his wife uh, and him from just recently from shows. And uh, just, you know, it was was very shocking to me because uh, you think of somebody who was on the wild side like a Jake Roberts or a Scott Hall. And, you know, thank God they got their, you know, their shit together. Uh, but when you think of, you know, a, a heart attack or something along those lines, you're thinking, man, the years of partying and stuff, that's took a toll on you. You don't really think about the fact that, man, you know, this this guy didn't do that. He didn't, he was pretty sober. He was pretty clean. He, you know, he, he had a couple of beers. I'm sure he drank, but he didn't smoke to my knowledge. He didn't do drugs. He didn't, he wasn't in the party scene. He, uh, he was just one of the cool guys and down to earth and just, uh, I, I, to, to me, 60 is, is young uh in general but 60 is young for someone who did live a a productive healthy life like john laurenitis did and so uh or like joe Joe. laurenitis yeah
1: yeah john uh johnny ace's brother there joe it's still yeah we've talked about it before it's crazy these two are our brothers just yeah, in terms of that, brothers look alike, sound alike, uh, in general, and you see, you you kind of see, like you look at the Von Erics; they all kind of looked the same. They all kind of, you can see. I mean, they they're different, but they okay. They Carrie kind of looks like Kevin, and this and that, okay. Well, but then you put Joe and John Laurinaitis in front of me, and you say these two are brothers. I swear, and I would say no, no. I, I bet you <laughs> they're not. You just found two random white people. But also, I mean, part of that, too, like, it's because, I mean, Road Warrior Animal, when you have that haircut, (laughs) it's like, uh, but even in the face, even in the voice, there's nothing that sounds similar between these two gentlemen. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, crazy, crazy what genetics can do sometimes. But, yeah, I mean, he... I mean, he definitely used some body-enhancing drugs, but for the most part, seemed a pretty down-to-earth guy, a family man. Uh, raised, a, his son was an NFL player. I mean, he was. Uh, I mean, in all these documentaries, he's the one that he's the one staying at home. He's the one thinking about the family and stuff. And so, just uh, yeah, it's it's just really shitty when uh, you think that you pretty much played by the rules. I mean, you, I understand the demands of the job and wrestling is a tough life going to town to town, especially back then. I think it's cleaned up some now, but um, it was like the the life of a road comedian. It's something that, uh, you know, back in their day, it's not like they had a whole foods where they could get the proper diet. They're going through a drive through. They're staying up all night. They're on the road. They're eating bologna sandwiches. They're, shooting up some steroids they're uh they have to stay up late they you know it, it's it's tough on your body whether or not you're partying out all night like hawk or whether you're going to bed as soon as you can like animals so it's still a hard life and so it's just unfortunate that yeah you 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 still dropped dead at 60. it's it's crazy it's crazy to me that you dropped dead at 60. Being much cleaner than other guys, it's kind of unfair. But I mean, life is unfair. Death is unfair. Um, and and this guy, I mean, animal still active as far as on the convention. he was about the headline one in our neck of the woods. I mean, he was yeah. the headliner. Yeah, like, I always, as a day I
2: was down to go and literally just uh, you know, unfortunately, just weeks away from being able to to be uh make it unfortunately he uh he passed away
1: and uh well that'll do it for the news segment patrick what the people don't know is that i forgot to record our first go around of the news segment it was much better um but <laughs> timing has run out and so we will get into the pay-per-view as i forgot usually i can blame it on technology and the this pay-per-view i, I, I take a piss on the, the the single camera from ecw but i hit i forgot to hit record you see because when we record these podcasts over skype or over whatever we're using usually in the notes part i don't hit record because I'm going to cut it all out anyway. And so that's what I did this time when we were going over what we were going to talk about. I didn't hit record. So you missed, guys. You missed, We had our own private podcast for an hour and a half. And uh, so you're we, getting...
2: Uh, and that, that hour was just on Kaufman just FYI. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, that was a very <laughs> long segment. Uh, we have shortened it to, to nothing now, but uh yes. So, okay, well, time to get into the pay-per-view even though we've already done that, but see, through the magic of editing you won't know the difference. All right, let's get into the show. It was ECW the night the line was crossed. Uh this is from February of 1994 and apologies. I thought this was the NWA title tournament. Uh, which it's not. I thought this was the night that Shane Douglas threw the belt down and uh, cursed at uh, Ric Flair, and uh, it really turned the wrestling world on its head. But that didn't happen until August of '94, and there's no video of it really anywhere. And uh, it's really it's really frustrating to me. And so I apologize, Patrick, that when I picked this, that's what I I thought I was doing. So uh, sorry about picking the wrong show i I hope that you were okay with watching this
2: i was it was a rough start a very rough rough start but it picked up on the second half so
1: yeah and uh so i try to view this with the lens of um okay it's 1994 the wrestling business is down but it's it's really 94 isn't the worst year, I, I think, in pro wrestling because I think 9, 95 is a little worse with Diesel being the WWF champion and with uh, the Dungeon of Doom shit going on in WCW. and Because uh, this is going on... Brett nolan is going to go on at SummerSlam in 94, so there were some good things going on in wrestling. So even though business was down, uh, I don't think it was as bad as I framed it to be. But this show... There's some production things with this show that really bother me, and the the main thing is one camera, because when you're doing a show for tape, which is what this was, this is a super show that they put on tape. They didn't have pay-per-view access, and they would put these on tapes and sell them to the Philadelphia market or to tape traders or whoever, you know, really wrestling hardcore enthusiasts. Or they would put the matches on hardcore TV, which is what they did with the main event, which got... Uh, praise from Dave Meltzer and Tommy Dreamer thought this is when they really turned to corners by putting this match on uh, free TV and stuff like that. But when you're doing a show like that, you can have multiple cameras because you're not live switching the cameras. But for whatever reason, they only had one video camera here, and it really takes away from the experience of the event. And so I just that keeps coming back to me as we go through these matches and I'll get through uh, the first few matches pretty quickly because I actually lost my notes from this as much as I I'm shitting on them for technology. My technology failed me and I lost my notes for the first few matches. And so we missed the opening match. It was 9 uh, one who didn't have that name, but uh, he was a giant man and uh, he was always over in ECW. He took on Chad Austin. He defeated him. And uh, then the pay-per-view starts. I call it a pay-per-view. It's not. It was on tape. Todd Gordon warns us that Eastern Championship Wrestling might be too extreme for us. But not quite yet. Maybe in a few months or so. Then we get into the first match. Mr. Hughes with the world's sexiest man, Jason, taking on Sal Belomo. I know you were excited about this because you you met Mr. Hughes once. Uh, a few years ago, and he looks exactly the same as he did in 1994.
2: uh, Uh, It's a buddy of mine I've gotten to know who runs a wrestling school in Atlanta.
1: Yeah, he does, and I don't know exactly what he teaches because he's not a very good wrestler, but he does run a a school there, so uh, you can go there and learn to wear overalls, not overalls, (laughs) suspenders. He's the only guy uh him and IRS had the same wrestling attire here. And uh man, Mr. Hughes I wanna
2: U- know, know how he never lost those fucking glasses. How is it they stayed on his head every match?
1: Well no one ever well he was he's a super tall dude, so I guess no one ever wanted to reach up there and try to take him. Uh but they yeah, they stayed on his head. I didn't know this man had eyes until I think I saw him with you uh in rome georgia a few years ago um who knows what's under there Uh, but he defeated sal Bolomo in a squash match it was all about mr hughes's uh, this is eastern championship wrestling so if you're booking a guy that was in one of wwf or wcw and on tv this is what you're they're gonna win because they're not coming here to just fuck around so he wins in a squash match and then up next, the Sandman in wrestling tights. So a rare Sandman appearance. No cigarettes. No beer. A uh, sober Sandman uh, with Tommy Cairo. They're gonna take on the Pitbull and Pit and Rock and Rebel. Not this is before the Pitbulls were were multiple. This is just one Pitbull uh, and a, a, a
2: murderer. So Pitbull and a murderer.
1: Is Rock and Rebel a murderer?
2: He's isn't he the one that killed his wife or whatever last year and committed oh
1: right yeah 2018 you're right we did man i totally forgot about this we talked about this on the show yeah he shot and killed his wife in june of 2018 and then shot himself and then uh, the the worst part of this really i mean if that's not bad enough his 10 year old children found them the next morning so crazy yeah Wait, um, we can
2: have Crispin Wobble. We can have Rock and Rebel down. What the fuck?
1: So yeah, Rock and Rebel. So uh, man, a few murders on this show tonight. Uh, <laughs> this was a, a dog collar tag team match. Uh, the Sandman and Tommy Cairo uh, defeated them. Uh, this was a match that really suffered from the one camera thing because they wanted to keep going out into the crowd. This wasn't a hit the corners and win kind of match. This was. I uh, just a brawl through the crowd, and uh, the next match suffered the same fate as it was the public enemy, Johnny Grunge, and Rock and Rock taking on the Bruise Brothers, the Harris twins, with a bunch of hair. They were Berserker twins here, and they had wild hair and stuff. And uh, nah, this was a
2: nah, year, nah, 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 nah.
1: yeah, that's um. On that was net. dubbed out on the network. On the net. So none of that, you know, they just walk out to generic, generic music to take on the Harris brothers who, uh, man, uh, they, this is a year before their WWF initial run. And then years before their biker run. And, uh, yeah, we, we, we talked about Joe Laurinaitis and Johnny Ace not looking anything alike. These two don't look like themselves in a few years. Uh, no. I would never know that they were the same, that they were bikers with bald heads and racist tattoos, probably. And uh, yeah, the, I would never know these were the same people. And uh, this was Public Enemy getting the shit kicked out of them for the entire match, uh, into the crowd, just walking and brawling. But then somehow they win the match. It was so weird because they they come into the match and then they pile on top of each other and pin one of the Harris brothers. And it just made no fucking sense because the Bruise brothers, as they were called here, um, the Harris twins, by the way, they're not even the original Bruise brothers because I thought, oh, what a cool name. That's a play on Blues brothers. I love it. <laughs> 10 out of 10 they're not even the original bruise brothers there were some other people called that uh but they lost here which is weird that they lost because like they're young they're about to be in the big they're about to be in the big time like i but public enemy it's like these guys aren't going anywhere so we need them to win because they were super over in philadelphia the uh the public enemy up next we have tommy dreamer Out to take on Superfly Jimmy Snuka, so uh, our second possible murderer on the show, Jimmy Snuka, uh, never convicted, but probably did it, and then we also, well, he did lose in a civil lawsuit, so I guess we can say that, and then, uh, what's that?
2: He's an innocent man, damn it.
1: Nah, Okay, and he's taking on Tommy Dreamer, who wanted to commit murder at WrestleMania X Seven, wanted to kill Paul Heyman during the pay per view, and that story came out a couple of years ago, probably the same time as Rock and Rebel, which I had totally forgotten about Rock and Rebel. Uh, Tommy Dreamer, also man, he's young. He's the NWA Rookie of the Year because this is before they left the NWA, and he's in bright blue parachute pants. He looks like the third member of uh, the New Foundation with. Uh, Owen Hart and uh, Coco Beware here in his overalls. Well, his suspenders, more suspenders. I I always get overalls and suspenders confused, but he's got big blue MC Hammer pants here. You can't touch him. You can't touch him at all, but you can touch him. And Jimmy Snuka would do uh, most of the touching. That doesn't sound right. He does most of the the work here tonight. Uh, But first, Jimmy Snuka has to argue with the man in the straw hat who was at every ECW show in history i think this man in the straw hat yeah where's waldo take a shot every time you see the man in the straw hat snooker stalls argues with the man in the straw hat he takes his gear off slowly and just does not want to engage with tommy dreamer and then dreamer goes gets the toboggan off of a young fan that jimmy snooker was hassling jimmy snooker working as a heel tonight Snooka keeps stalling. They finally lock up after ten minutes of this bullshit. A pair of scoop slams from Dreamer and Snooka rolls out to regroup. They get back in the ring and stall some more before Dreamer misses a leaping shoulder tackle. And he goes tumbling out of the ring. Snooka hits Dreamer in the back with a chair, rolls him back into the ring, hits a backbreaker, and then looks for the superfly splash. He hits it, but Dreamer kicks out at two. Uh, Snooka stomps at him, goes for it again, but and gets it, but refuses to cover. He hits a third one, covers, and gets the win. He headbutts the ref, uh, which you must have loved. And then Dreamer, uh, he must have used a blood packet here because I don't see any way that he bleeds from the mouth. And then Snuka hits a fourth splash. Then he drops a double axe handle on Todd Gordon, who I guess wanted to get involved because he loved Jimmy Snuka. Then the ECW geeks come out to stop it, and he leaves, which is very nice of him. And uh, what did you think of these first few matches? I'm sorry, I haven't gone to you, but what have you thought of this show so they, far? Uh,
2: the the first couple were pretty rough, but we're picking up. We're on that upward slide with Snuka and Dreamer. I enjoyed the match. Yeah, that's about the best I can say.
1: Up next, some of your favorites here, Kevin Sullivan and the Taz Maniac. Uh, it's Taz, but it's not. It's before he's just Taz. In fact, he even spins around like the Tasmanian devil. They're here to take on the original Sheik and Pat Tanaka. So this is, or as Joey Styles calls him, Patrick Tanaka, which I think is weird. Uh, But anyway, uh, this is like the random match generator. If you're on 2K whatever and you just hit random match and you have some creative wrestlers, this is what you would get.
2: I am a huge fan of the original Sheik, for those that don't know. A man that can actually calls people in the 70s to protest you coming to wrestle in their town is someone who has done everything right the original sheik bringing out a snake throwing fire talking out of his head literally people thought he was satan on earth they protested they literally would hold protest at the arena with hundreds of people and picket signs not allowing this man to get into the building.
1: Yeah, Kevin has uh, Nancy with him um, uh, as he comes out with the Tasmaniac. Uh, Pat Tanaka... Uh, he didn't bother wearing gear tonight, so we, we saw Sandman in wrestling gear and Pat Tanaka in street clothes, so that tells you how much they were getting paid for tonight. Pat Tanaka jumps Taz before the Sheik can make his way down. Tanaka uh, just goes after Taz, and then uh, Sullivan breaks off with the Sheik. Sullivan starts bleeding <laughs> seconds into this match as they brawl through the crowd, him and the Sheik, and again, the single fucking camera, Patrick, Uh, Every fucking time, like I can't focus on anything. Um, So to me, it's like if you've got one camera, focus on what's in the ring or focus on the most important thing. You can't have it both ways. And they tried to have it both ways. Does camera go back and forth and you'd never be able to focus on anything? Taz puts Tanaka in an ankle lock as uh, Sullivan and Sheik just kept brawling through the crowd. Finally, the big finish comes here as she throws a fireball into the ring and Taz puts on his selling shoes here as this fireball didn't get in his general area of human life here. This this fireball is in a different dimension, Uh, but Taz sold it like he got burnt all over and uh, Tanaka rolls him up and gets the win. He also throws one at Sullivan, too. And what's hilarious is the one near Sullivan was definitely closer than the one near Taz. But Sullivan (laughs) fucking no-sells it and just keeps brawling with him. He's like, fuck that. I'm not selling. I'm about to go to WCW and make a bunch of money with Hogan. Uh, Fuck this. And uh, just no-sells this fireball and keeps brawling with the Sheik. Meanwhile, Taz is flopping around in the ring like a fish out of water. And uh, Sheik and Sullivan brawl... uh, towards the locker rooms and then brawl their way back towards the ring and Sheik has somehow secured like a pull cue or something and beat Sullivan with it then eventually they are dispersed but um, really weird kind. Of, this match is just really fucking weird because like they had Public Enemy go over the, the Bruise Brothers because oh these guys are gonna stick around Well, here you have Taz, who's going to stick around, the future heavyweight champion, the the future franchise. I mean, even though Shane Douglas is coming up later, but the future, probably the biggest star in this company. I mean, I guess they didn't know it here in 94, but he's a guy that's sticking around, and you have him selling this fireball and losing to Pat Tanaka in street clothes. Um, So some questionable booking the match. Well, there's really not much I can say about the match because I didn't see most of the match because of the one camera, and it's so dark in the 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 audience. I didn't see what Sheik or Sheik and Sullivan were doing, and when they would go to the ring with Tanaka and Taz, they were just in rest hold. So, don't have much to say about the actual match. But I thought it was weird, questionable that they would have Taz lose in the manner that he lost. But what do you think of this match?
2: I absolutely love this match. Now, I am biased because it has Kevin Sullivan and the original Sheik in it. But I love this match strictly because of that fact alone.
1: Well, I'm glad you got some pleasure out of that. My greatest pleasure of this whole uh, night is is coming up next because uh, JT Smith is here to take on Awesome Mike Awesome, which... <laughs> is such a shitty wrestling name. I mean, Mike Awesome is okay, but if you put Awesome in front of Mike Awesome and make it repeat, it sounds dumb for some reason. The reason I love this match is for two reasons. Because Mike Awesome has an awesome mullet because he's got the shaved sides and everything. Like, this is the greatest his mullet has ever looked. And he also, his, like, his physique... Uh, He had quite a belly on him. He just looked like a really tall dude that probably played football but hasn't in a while, has been drinking for a little while, but could beat the shit out of you, and he's really scary, and he's got a mullet. Uh, That's one reason I love this, but I really love it for what happens to Mike Awesome at the end of the match. Um, Awesome turns J.T. Smith, who was a, a perennial jobber in ECW, He turns him inside out with a clothesline, hits a splash, and then another nasty clothesline, hits an overhead belly-to-belly to to J.T. Smith, and then he clotheslines Smith over the ropes, hits his suicide dive. Then the crowd goes nuts for uh, Mike Awesome after the suicide dive. They just chant Awesome. J.T. Smith, though, inside cradles Mike Awesome and gets the win, so another questionable booking decision here. Um, (laughs) Uh, Awesome was calling for the powerbomb And just gets rolled up One, two, three And J.T. Smith smartly got the fuck out of there uh, Before Awesome could uh, Get all his heat back Awesome decides to get his heat back Against the referee Which also probably made you mad But Patrick, don't take it personal Because he powerbombs this ref He does it again But then Karma Karma, my friend, strikes Mike Awesome As he goes for the top rope splash to the referee and this fucking ECW ring, this shitty fucking put together in 10 seconds ring, just fucking the top rope just breaks and Mike awesome fucking face plants right into the ring. (laughs) This guy That just looked so badass. That had people chanting. He just did a suicide dive. He's like seven feet tall. He's got a mullet. He's crazy. He just fucking face plants like a dork. And he splats onto that canvas. And then Patrick, what's great? He fucking sells it. He sells it like he fell off the Empire State Building. And he just lays... Face down because he was like probably so fucking mad that had he stood up, he probably would have lost his shit at whoever was nearby. And this was the greatest moment of this entire card to me is just Mike Awesome just fucking face planting.
2: This was good, yes. This was very good.
1: I feel sorry for him because, I mean, that just sucks. It sucks to anybody. And we all know what happens with Mike Awesome and his life or whatever, but like, just I just love that he was portrayed as such the badass. Okay, yeah, he got the wind stolen from him, whatever, but he's a badass and he's not taking shit from anybody, Patrick, but then he just falls on his face. He just fucking falls on his face. (laughs) I just love this. I don't, I hope that this was scripted this way, but it it was, I'm sure it it wasn't
2: scripted this way. No, no, no. This was just straight car. Yeah.
1: Yeah. This this is what he gets for attacking the referee. So this was awesome. This was great. I almost thought for a second, oh, well, they're not going to be able to fix the rope for the main event. You got to fucking broad. This, the main event's going Broadway, Patrick, and we're only going to have two ropes. Good luck to you. Uh, and that's yeah. what I thought was going to happen, but they they did fix it. So um. they
2: swapped. If you go back and look, they swapped the second and third rope. It wasn't the connector on the ring post; it was actually the connector on the turnbuckle. So they were able to swap and put the third rope up top, and then. Just half-ass rig it to where the bottom rope, which you don't do a lot with in you know the match whatsoever, the bottom rope was the one that was broke.
1: Well, it, it really whatever they did did not help Sabu much at all in the main event because this motherfucker missed everything he tried off the ropes. I swear, I and this was another I don't think this was on purpose either. But we've talked about Sabu before, and I've mentioned. This guy is dangerous, not to other wrestlers, but to himself. Uh, You know, Scott Steiner is dangerous to other wrestlers. Sabu is dangerous to himself. And it's amazing that this man still wrestles to this day and still uh, is alive because this guy in this main event, he missed everything he did off the top rope and I thought it was because they swapped it out or whatever they fixed it and he just wasn't getting his balance but it it's also cuz it's Sabu. Um but anyway, uh it's already main event time and uh man there's a lot of time left in this show. Uh so up next it's going to be ECW Champion Terry Funk taking on Shane Douglas and Sabu or so you think. It's not really though because it's uh, ECW Triple Threat, or uh, whatever they called it. Um, the, their th- version of a three way, a three way dance is what they call it. But Terry Funk doesn't have to be in the, the first part of this. Uh, so it's, it's whoever wins the first match will face Terry Funk, is how it's presented. What they don't tell us until about three fourths of the way through this match, though. Joey Styles explains to us, Patrick, that if nobody wins, Terry Funk has to fight both of them, which I think is bullshit by the way, like how is that fair? These guys are fighting for an opportunity at me if they don't win, then I just get the night off. I think that's how it should be
2: i yeah, I mean, I agree with you on that one,
1: yeah, so Douglas is out with uh, sherry Martel, who she's fresh out of the Fed too um. Who gets decked by Paul E. Dangerously, who's fresh out of WCW, and uh, he gets decked with the or she gets decked with the cell phone. Uh, so he's still doing his same bit. Sabu attacks Douglas, and the match is underway. The infamous technical difficulty disclaimer pops up on the network. So I wonder what was cut out. Joey uh, Styles' microphone goes out. Uh, But I don't know if that was on the original or if that's something, if he said something that they didn't like. You never know with that disclaimer, what happened. So Douglas hits a backbreaker to Sabu. Douglas puts on a chin lock. Douglas or Sabu have to win before Funk comes out, as I mentioned. Sabu chances. Douglas stays in control. Sabu hits a kick that sends Douglas to the floor. Sabu hits a springboard, second rope, something. He was going for a moonsault, but had to turn it into a forward roll. Then he puts on a dragon sleeper, but Douglas reverses it to a neck breaker. Cross arm breaker to Douglas from Sabu. But he breaks his own hold and works it over for ages. Douglas eventually manages to get out, and Sabu just keeps assaulting his shoulder. That's going to be Sabu's tactic here his work on Douglas's bad shoulder. Douglas misses an elbow drop with his bad arm, so that's stupid. Douglas hits a super kick that puts Sabu down. 911 is Sabu's handler this time, and he hands him a chair as Douglas uh, and him brawl in the crowd. Uh, Sabu hits an acai moonsault over the barricade. And Douglas rolls out of the way, so Sabu goes through the table that was in the crowd and smashes into the floor. Now, is any of this visible because of the one camera? No. You just have to trust me. That's what they say happens. Joey says, no mats on the floor. We're not in Atlanta. Okay. Well, that's just stupid. Uh, Terry Funk doesn't give him the time limit. No, he doesn't wait on the time limit. Fuck that shit. Uh, This is a classic running out before your cue. Terry Funk runs out before the time limit's even up and he brawls with Douglas as Sabu just disappears from the earth Douglas slows him down with some kicks to the midsection locks in a bear hug Funk DDT's Douglas three times and then he knocks Shane out of the ring and uh yeah Funk goes puts some plunder in the ring mainly chairs he asks the crowd to throw chairs in the ring but this isn't the, the scene where they pile him up in the ring he only gets like three or four chairs from the crowd here. So he piles them up all in the ring and then Douglas comes in and he DDT's Douglas on the chair pile, but injures his own back in the process. Shane dives off the top with a frog splash and hits Funk in the back. He covers Funk for a two count. Funk tries a spinning toe hold on Douglas, but he escapes. The ref takes a bump for no reason. Douglas removes a buckle and bashes Funk into it. Funk lights up Douglas with chops and strikes. then they brawl through the crowd again. They come back to the ring, and Funk Atomic drops Douglas. Sabu finally reemerges with one bad leg as he stalks Douglas. Funk grabs the mic, challenges the other two, come here, you dirty, rotten pieces of shit, as they're out in the crowd. Funk instead goes to them. Funk, spinning toehold to Sabu, 911 saves him. Then he neckbreakers Douglas and Sabu, Douglas puts Sabu in a sleeper. Funk puts Douglas in a sleeper, so the double sleeper spot. Then Douglas puts Sabu in a figure four. Polly rakes his eyes to escape. Sabu hits his top rope springboard moonsault, but fails. Falls on his ass, tries it again, falls again, and goes off the turnbuckle. But Sherry breaks the count. Sherry stops Sabu from trying one off the top rope. Sabu leg drops Douglas from the apron for a two count. Funk has been carried away, so he's not a factor at the moment. Then Axel and Ian Rotten attack Douglas and Sabu. They take both men out, brawl with them for a while, then Funk comes back out. Polly attacks Ian Rotten with 911, bashes him with the phone. Funk headbutts the ref as Douglas and Sabu brawl through the crowd. Funk stumbles around the ring, headbutts the other two. Sabu can't hit a moonsault from the ropes because he falls again. Then... He decides to hit one from the turnbuckle to Funk. Funk crawls over to Shane, but there's no ref to count as he took a bump. Douglas pile drivers, Funk, then Suplexes Sabu on top of him. They all try to cover, no avail. No nobody's here to count. Then Sherry attacks Funk, but he gets thrown off her and suplexes her to a big pop. Funk gets Sherry's heel, digs it into Douglas's ear, ouch. The video fucks up here as we go to a low-quality version for a minute on the network. Sabu and Funk both pin Douglas for a near-fall as time expires, and that's it. The time limit draw has occurred. The crowd then gives us a standing ovations for reasons I cannot explain. And, uh, <laughs> what did you think of this match, the main event?
2: It was a good match. It was not what you expect a three-way dance to be. With the whole situation of Terry Funk, but I it was entertaining. It was definitely a legendary match that will and forever withstand the test of time. So uh, I think that puts it high rankings by itself
1: for its time. People, it had been a long time since people had seen a match go that long, so as Douglas especially deserves the standing ovation out of the three. And I rarely compliment Shane Douglas, but he was the one that worked the most because Sabu took a long break in the middle. Uh, Funk took a break even after he, he missed the first half of the match altogether and then came in and then took a break towards the end of the match. So Shane Douglas was really the only one in there the entire time um, so he deserves a standing ovation in my opinion, uh, but the match itself and it's really hampered by the one camera because I think it was probably a, a pretty good match if you were in the crowd that night and you, uh, could see what they were doing or if you were near them when they were doing stuff in the crowd, but, um, it sucked to me because it was so long and there was so much going on and. Because it's ECW and it's a tape show, there's no explanation for the rotten interference. There's no explanation for really anything on the night. But the main event, to, to be cut up and put on ECW Hardcore TV and be so meaningful to like Tommy Dreamer and Dave Meltzer, I think that's pretty cool uh, as far as they put one match took up an entire week of Hardcore TV. I, that's pretty cool that they were able to do that. And this was so different from anything else you were getting because this is a few years before the Iron Man match and it's been many years since... um, I say it's been many years. It's only been like four or five years since we saw that Iron Man match between uh, Rick Rude and uh, Ricky Steamboat in WCW. But in general, these long matches had kind of gone the wayside, so... I kind of can see why they appreciated it more. But for me, uh, Sabu's sloppiness really played into it. Uh, Funk was good. Shane Douglas was pretty good. But Sabu really drags it down for me. And that's rare coming from me. Because in general, I like what he does. but And I really hate Shane Douglas for the most part. But uh, like I said, Shane Douglas was pretty much in there the entire time. So I can't really shit on him too much. And Terry Funk was... Terry Funk, I mean, he's going to give you the same match every single time, and it's fine, And but it wasn't quite hardcore enough, it wasn't quite extreme championship wrestling yet, and it wasn't quite, it, it just really just missed, something was missing for me, and so I got to give it a thumbs in the middle, slightly down for the main event, but afterwards here, these interview segments are really good. And I'll just include them here as we get Terry Funk crying, which is always, he, which is almost every Terry Funk interview. Todd Gordon shows up. uh, Paul E shows up. Douglas shows up. uh, God, Shane
2: Douglas, this right here, other than him throwing the NWA title down, this is the shining moment of Shane Douglas's career that skyrocketed him to be able to go on and do the things he did this moment right here in my opinion because god he was fucking great in this interview
1: yeah this this definitely gave them the confidence to be able to put the belt on him And, uh, push him as the top guy.
3: We're here immediately following the matchup. In fact, it was a three-way, 60-minute draw in what was the most fantastic, athletically contested uh, heavyweight championship match I've ever seen. Terry fuck fended off not one, but two challengers in Shabu and Shane Douglas. And and Terry, if we can just get a few words from you tonight.
4: You know, I'm going to tell you people something. That, uh... I love wrestling. I've loved it all my life, and I'm gonna tell you that uh, I'm not real proud of the way that it's evolved in a lot of places in the uh, country. I don't believe that the WCW is worth a damn. I think it ridicules my profession and I think that we have a bunch of people that don't have any respect for a profession running those organizations and the WWF. I'm not talking about the the guys individually. But I'm talking about the way that they have belittled my profession because I think that I'm an athlete and I think that I was out there tonight with a hell of a lot of competitors in that ring that uh, were not even only wrestling, they were were wrestling with their heart. And I don't particularly like the opponents that I was against, but they damn sure gave the fans their money's worth and I think that uh, I did too. I think ECW has come a long way. I think that you got guys like that that have come from, from nowhere. I'm talking about the Sandmans. I'm talking about the other guys. I'm talking about the old timers. I'm talking about Jimmy Snooker, And we've all seen this organization grow. And I am really proud of it. And I'm very proud to be wearing this belt around my waist. And I told you people before, hey, I'm an old man but I'm making my stand and I'm making it here with the ECW and those other people can go to hell because we're here and we're here to stay and we're gonna become a organization that's not producing something for kids I mean we're not we're athletic and I think that we're a sport and I know that we got a lot of guys here that are wrestling their heart out and I'm not trying to take anything from anybody else but I have respect for Shane Douglas and I have respect for Sabu and I have respect for all of the guys that are with ECW and I want to thank you people out there for being hardcore fans and that's what we're playing to as the hardcore fans and I want you to know that I love you and thank you very much for supporting me and I really appreciate it Well, there you have it
3: from a very emotional Terry Funk, who as I said before, fended off not one, but two challengers tonight in a 60-minute drum, talking about the franchise, Shane Douglas and Sabu, and what was the most amazing match I have ever seen. Let's thank the members of the media for
0: attending the press conference tonight. Of course, Sabu and Paulie Dangerously will be coming to the microphone next. I want to thank all of you who attended, especially you from out of town, out of state, all of you who came tonight. We're waiting right now. The arrival of Paulie Dangerously and Sabu should be here shortly. Uh, if there are any other questions, uh, there are refreshments in the back of the room. Anyone who's waiting for that, uh, we're waiting for just a few more people to come. Oh boy, here we go. Oh, oh boy. Easy no. you control him. Control him. You want to. Control him.
3: Okay, Ta- no t- control him. No t- No t- no, t- no, t- no, t- no You know, no Todd, t- t- you can do this turn one around, if you want. T- turn t- turn, t- around, t- turn him around. Turn him around. If you don't see the table, it's okay. If you can't control him, get him out of here. If you can't control him, get him out of here. Gentlemen, please. see the table, he'll be fine. Sabu has absolutely nothing to say about this match. The travesty of justice. Shane Douglas is absolutely the most disgraceful human being I've ever met in my life. As for Terry Funk coming out of like a crybaby, this is not impressed, Sabu. Sabu should. Still be the ECW heavyweight champion. It was a conspiracy between Terry Funk and Shane Douglas, and I'm not so emotional about it in any 60 minute draw. The referee was unconscious for too long. Terry Funk was eliminated. We all saw Terry Funk get eliminated. And if the referee, no, just not showing the table. Well, 911, go let him see ball, the table. fine. The fact of the matter is that, the, is that when Terry Funk went down with the injured knee, Shane Douglas could have pounced on top of him. The, re, the, re, the referee the, ref, the referee who played favorites chose to protect oh. Terry Funk. It was disgusting. As far as I'm concerned, that would have, Terry Funk should have been eliminated right there. And then Sabu would have had Shane Douglas all to him himself. And Shane Douglas cannot fight man to man with Sabu. And that's all I have to say. And that's all i got to say to you. And we want our money. And that's all i got to say to you. And I don't think you're a very good announcer. And to the hell with the book. Okay, that's it. Let's get Let's Thank you very much much members of the media I hope you all go to hell they have from a very objective opinion from Paulie dangerously the most charming man I've ever met <laughs> Mr. Gordon,
0: I got a couple words for you tonight I took the living legend so called self-proclaimed Terry funk and I beat his ass right in the center of the ring. I took Sabu, the crazy man of wrestling, and I beat his ass in the center of the ring. I sent them both back to the dressing room, Mr. Gordon. As a result of that, I want you to declare me right now in front of this TV camera, in front of the entire world as the ECW heavyweight champion to prove that I am the franchise. Sherry saw it, the whole world saw it. Philadelphia, you witnessed it live. Professional wrestling as it was meant to be, ass kicking, Take no names. Beat the hell out of whoever's in front of you. Terry Funk, I smashed your knee to tree. When I took you with that chair outside the ring, even the crazy man Sabu and his people looked and they said, oh my God, it's the end of an era. Finally, put to rest, <laughs> Funk family. Hey, hey, come on, hey, Here boy, boy, I don't give a, a f-. You keep your mouth shut. That's you okay. keep your mouth shut. You can fire me if you want to. You can take me out of this territory if you want to, but you can't stop the franchise. Someplace, sometime, I will be heavyweight champion. Now, as it goes for you, Mr. Styles, and anybody else, and all you other sons sitting out here today, I've had it up to here. I've come to Philadelphia, and I've watched people in and the audience hold up signs and call me every name in the book. I've seen people outside the arena call me names, say things about my family, say things about Sherry. I've seen people, and what do you want? And what do you want?
4: What's wrong with you? Are you some kind of a fool or what? Am I some kind of a fool? What are you out here?
0: All I've got to ask you, Mr. Funk, what you were ten years ago was a legend. What you are today is an old man, a shell of yourself. The legs, (laughs) after tonight, certainly aren't what they used to be. Muhammad Ali knows what it's like when the legs go. Look at your face. Take a look in the mirror around you. Ask the media. How's his face look? You've been beat to a pulp. Now I've been beat up tonight. Take a look, Philadelphia. Look at his face. Look at my face. Look who's standing tall. Terry Funk, you were a beaten man tonight.
4: I'm just there and listening to you. Call me an old man. I've listened to you ridicule ridicule me, and yeah, maybe I've had better days. Damn right. But I don't think that you have any right to go ahead and say that. I came in here and I paid compliments to you. I paid compliments to Sabu. I paid compliments to everybody because I think that you're a good athlete and a heck of a guy. The best. But you didn't walk out of there with this thing around your waist, and you know you didn't. Terry Funk, let me tell you something. And you ought to know this after 25 years in this oh, man. sport. Don't call me an
0: old man. You, I gave you your time. You let me talk. As the franchise of ECW, I've got every right to come out here and say what I want to say. Paying compliments to Shane Douglas, paying compliments to Sabu. Don't pay the bills. The gold pays the bills. Now, I want Todd Gordon right here and now to declare me the champion because you were dragged out. You were carried out of the arena tonight by your own men. That's not a champion to me. Shabu was carried out by his own men. Both of you at the hands of the franchise. To me, that means that I'm the
4: heavyweight champion. No ifs, ands, or buts about it, Mr. Funk. You want this belt so bad? I said earlier that I've drawn a line. I'll tell you something. You made a mistake I'll put your finger by calling place. me an old man. I won't put my finger in your place. I have no intention of doing that. But your biggest mistake was whenever you called me an old man, because first of all, what is it going to look like whenever this old man <laughs> whips your butt? And as far as this belt is concerned, you can have this belt, I'm giving it to you. Give it, it to you. giving it to, You're to me, it. Terry Funk. I'm giving it to you. I Give, am giving, you the giving me the belt. <laughs> and that's silly? Going? That is so silly. No, no, Todd, be quiet, because that's that's silly. And I know that I, I'm I'm sorry I that wasn't very you. respectful to you, but I'm telling you, you take that belt, and you know why you can take that belt, because <laughs> it's gonna. <laughs> be the biggest thrill to me on the fifth. Whenever I, whenever I take the thing back from you, that's what's going to give me the biggest elation. Because I'm going to show you that this old man is not as easy to push around as you think he is, as you should have found out tonight. Terry Funk. Don't just put my you. finger on your chest. I understand that. You won't don't have to you.
0: give me any belt, Terry Funk. I won't touch you with my... You don't have to chest. give me a belt, you
4: old piece
3: Place. Hey, come on, Gentlemen.
0: You don't have to give me the belt. Because I'm taking the belt. How's that, huh? Oh, How's that, case. you yeah. son of a. Huh? Gentlemen, please. Oh, so Dad,
3: guys, Dad. What's the matter with you guys? Dad.
0: Get some security Dad. in here. Get some damn security in here. Dad. Get him out of here call for the police let's go let's get the police back here let's go
1: so on our rating scale patrick hornswoggle to john gonzalez ecw uh, the night the line was crossed, where does it land on our rating scale?
2: Original Sheik.
1: Original Sheik. I'll give it a Shane Douglas because I rarely cite him for anything. But that was my pick from a month ago. Where are we going next week, hopefully, and not a month from now?
2: All right. So Saturday is Halloween. All right? It is,
1: yes. All right.
2: Well, Halloween is also known as day of the dead south of the border so we're going with that mentality we're going to go with a lot of masks we're going to go with a lot of south of the border we're going to go to none other than the hidden gems section for a very rare wcw mexico pay-per-view only we're going to see wcw's Festival de Lucha with Conan taking on
1: Disco Inferno <laughs> Seriously? That's the main event.
2: That's the main event. However, the undercard it is all lucha. It's every fucking bit of cruiserweights. That WCW and that AAA that They had in the 90s. This is an absolute guaranteed holy shit show. But this is Glenn Gilberty's very best match. Do not, do not overlook this match. I promise you, you will be shocked, Alex. Give it a chance and you will enjoy it.
1: All right, well, that'll do it for this week. We will go to the uh, Festival de Lucha next week. That'll do it for this week. Go to RetroWrestlingPodcast.com. I'm Intern Alex. I
2: am the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my clothesline's a clothesline.
1: And Bingo Bango.